And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is The Athletic's dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Ports on with you on a Wednesday afternoon. We've got a special guest with us again, Brian Geeschenslaw of Bally's Sports Ohio. Geese, how are you, my man? 40, I'm all good. It's, uh, yeah? it's good to hear your voice. And uh, yeah, all things considered, uh, doing well. I appreciate yeah. it. Well, good. Let's get some news and notes, and then we'll get to uh, chatting about this Blue Jackets team <laughs> and some other stuff. I think you're the perfect guest for this week because there's some there's other stuff going on with this team, and you're a sports guy in general, not just a hockey guy specifically. <laughs> um, so this should work. But news and notes here as it relates to today at the rink, Blue Jackets, a 50-minute practice in Nationwide. And then they flew to Philadelphia where on Thursday they get back to action against the Flyers. That 9-2 loss to the Panthers has been whew, with them for four or five days now before the puck drops, and that cannot be easy. This, of course, will mark the first time the Blue Jackets have faced Cam Atkinson since he was traded to Philadelphia last summer. And it would be Jacob Voracek's first visit back to Philly since he was traded to the Blue Jackets after 10 years. However, Voracek not traveling with the club today. There's a chance, I guess, if he's cleared of COVID, he could hit the road and excuse me, and travel uh, tomorrow on a game day and get in. Yeah, we'll see. Um, he's been on the COVID list since January 13th. Did not skate today, so one can assume he has not been cleared. Same with Cole Sillinger, also in the NHL protocols. Uh, he's probably there for a couple more days as he landed on after Voracek did. Um, as we mentioned, a 92 loss in Florida. We'll get into that a little bit. Um, an up and down week. I, I had one guy on Twitter point out, Hey, they played Carolina. They played Florida. You put those two games together. They had a minus one and they got two points out of a possible four. You would take that trip, uh, on the whole before you even left. But after the six, nothing win in Carolina, boy, that nine to two, uh, was a rude, reminder that the, the Blue Jackets have some issues and that there are going to be some rough nights this season. Well, as I said, joining us on the show today, Brian Giesenschlaw, co-host of Blue Jackets Live and Reds Live on Valley Sports Ohio. Uh, welcome to the show. Native Texan, where about yep. in Texas? Uh, you've never heard of it. I'll, I'll try and get you geographically somewhere in the neighborhood. Uh, when you say the heart of Texas, 
that's kind of where I grew up, right in the middle of the state in a small town of a little over 5,000 people yes. called Cameron. And so it's that's about... Awesome. Yeah, it's about 50 miles south of Waco, about 70 miles northeast of Austin. So uh, kind of right in the middle. Now, is your wife from Texas as well? She is, but she's a city girl. Uh, I'm, the, I'm the guy from the sticks, and she grew up in Dallas. So Wow. And are you guys used to this weather, this, this uh, winter weather <laughs> we just got a blast of? You know, we've, we've been here long enough now. Uh, first of all, I've... While I love where I grew up and all that stuff, I I was sick of the heat by the time we left. I mean, it's just it's oppressive, you know, six months out of the year. Yeah. Uh, and so it's you know, some people love it, but I I I was glad to go somewhere where at least there was the opportunity to have a little bit different type weather. And and yeah, we're we're good here. My my family continues to come here for Christmas every year, assuming cool. that there's a foot of snow on the ground. Yeah, right. And I think once or t- two times in. 15 or 16 years there's been uh snow so that's that's the adjustment but yeah we're we're good man we're two of the three kids were born here porty yeah so you're you're ohioan kind kind of feeling closer to it yeah where's the texas accent did you and for broadcasting purposes did you have to <laughs> uh, worked uh, seriously. Did you have to work that out? Because I have friends from the South who have gone yeah. to northern markets and have said, "No, no, no, you've got to." Yeah, that can't be present. Is that something you had to 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 focus on? Yeah, it's true. Uh, the the two things, the the short story of my illustrious broadcasting career. The two yes. things were, or actually, there are three things. Uh, think about this. I, I'm on the air in what's considered to be a northern part of the, you know, United States. Yeah. And I had a Southern accent. Uh, I was bald and have a last name that no one can pronounce. Uh, so all three of those have been addressed multiple times throughout my career. Uh, I was asked once to change my name. Wow. Uh, I was asked multiple times about my appearance and and the lack of lettuce on top. No kidding. Uh, yep, yep. But then it, actually the, the, the one stop that did me a favor was uh, I got a job. I w- I'd been working in, in smaller markets in, in Texas, and I got a job at a, at a cable channel in Dallas. And, and to me, it was, it was a great career move, not because it signified my arrival to a top 10 market, because that's not what the, the cable channel was. It just happened to be located sure. there. Um, but there were people working there that were from different parts of the country and a lady from Connecticut that was one of our producers grabbed me early on and did not like me or my accent. Wow. Uh, which had worked in small town, Texas, you know, it was fine. Sure. sure. Uh, but they sent me, it actually wasn't that complicated. They sent me, uh, to a, to a voice coach, but it, it essentially lasted probably, I only probably only went and saw him two or three times. Uh, but they identified one or two things that were the, you know, most glaring offensive right. things about the way I spoke. And, uh, and it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad, but I, yeah. you know, in hindsight, obviously I, I appreciate it because it, it kind of whitewashed some of what may have limited me in some ways and whether I wanted to or not, it, it worked out. Now, when you're around family, do you fall back into it immediately? I don't. Um, I, I don't, my wife does. I mean, she mm-hmm. hasn't been, she hasn't had it coached out of her, but she kind of sure. goes back to certain things. Yeah. Uh, and if you, Porty, my, my 
blessed 79 year old mother if you had her on the podcast let's do it give me your you, number you you would be in for uh hours of entertainment listening to her speak yes. uh it's it's pretty good it's pretty good but yeah that's it's all worked out that's awesome when they said to you Brian Geesenschlaw you need to change your name for broadcasting purposes did you say but i like the name Brian now what i said was at the time <laughs> at, the, at the time <laughs> exactly i got it yeah. Uh, but about the Giesenstall part at the time I was, I was in still in central Texas, kind of where I grew up. And I, I told him, I said, one, there are a lot of people around here with names like this and, yeah. and that, that don't, you know, that don't have a problem with it Two, you know, wherever I go, I think it's recognizable. And I, at this point in my career, I, I'd still kind of like to have that working for me when I can. Um, so it, it was a shorter conversation yeah. and, and then I talked my way out of it, but well, I'm glad you kept it. Here we are. Thanks. You know, it wouldn't be nearly as fun if, if you didn't call me geese or right. you know, G, exactly. G, things like yeah. that. I've told a few people that my that uh, Porzingis, the basketball player, is my, <laughs> my cousin just hasn't changed his name. God, if someone on Twitter didn't didn't believe me and yeah. kind of look, look into it. So you got to be careful uh, with that. Not at all related. So to the Blue Jackets, um, I thought this was interesting yesterday. It's, it's sort of the yesterday must have been a slow news day. <laughs> Um, because Jim Matheson of the Edmonton Journal, one of the the, the uh, really good guys in this business and a guy I've known for a very long time, kind of had a back and forth with Oilers forward Leon Dreisaitl. I'm sure you saw it. Um, he asked a question. Dreisaitl gave him a very abrupt <laughs> answer. He's asked him to expound upon it. Dreisaitl basically said, no, I'm not really willing to expound on it. And Jim Matheson said, why are you pissy? Which, and, and so this, this turned into a big thing. And, and, uh, I thought, well, that's not even, that's not even a really big deal. These two guys just kind of got a little grumpy with each other and moved on. And my God, it turned out to be this huge, um, blog post, tweet share, all, I mean, it was everywhere. Um, and it just hit me how much the locker and dressing room dynamics have changed. And I think it's, it, we're, we're right now, it's so hyper different right now because of these Zoom interviews that we're doing. And that's so much different than just sitting down with people and having uh, a chat and being able to say those kind of things without it having to be performative, without one guy being on the microphone and one guy being at a table with a camera on him. That changes the dynamic entirely. But I think it's even changed before that where cell phones are now everywhere. And everything is recorded, and not everything used to be recorded. Um, and I'm an old uh, geezer. I get reminded of this. Uh, <laughs> you can't have my. You can't have my nickname. I, you know, geezer is. <laughs> yeah, right. That's one of them. Geezer slog. But we're both um, old. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm reminded of this daily. But there used to be and so uh, blowups that were so much worse. Then that, what I think was a spat yesterday between Dreisaitl and Matheson, and guys would usually the next day show up, shake hands, and it would be fine. Oftentimes, the relationship would get even better after something like that happened. Um, I wonder how you looked at that, Geese, as a guy who's been around the business for a while, has been in that setting, and maybe has witnessed some of these changes in, in your own way. Well, the first thing I thought of was was pissy is something that I think you and I would use to describe each other at our age and yes. not something that probably was in Leon Dreisaitl's uh, 
mind of of things that ways that he might be described. So I got a kick out of that. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I'm with you. I didn't I didn't think it was I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think that Drysidle's response was out of the ordinary. I didn't think the initial question was certainly not a problem. I no. I thought Jim you know, poked him a little bit when he, when he, re- maybe, you know, and maybe he was having a bad day and that, yep. that happens, but I didn't think it was a big deal. I'm with you. It, I didn't think it was anything that stood out. And yes, that does happen. And yes, sometimes the relationship, I think, like you said, actually does take a step forward because, you know, those guys don't know us as people. They don't, right. and, and that, that kind of humanizes things, but you do, I think, have to consider the market. Uh, even though I know Edmonton is an outpost, it's still, a hockey place, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you have, you know, two of the three or four best players in the world and you're mired in this eternal, uh, you know, climb to try to become a good team and everyone feels it and everyone knows it. But then you also, I think, have to have a certain, you know, you kind of have to have some skins on the wall to ask the questions that way and accuse a player of being pissy in a group, yeah. in a group setting. You know, those things might happen in normal times in front of a locker and it might just be a couple of guys. Right. That was, a, that was a zoom call that, you know, probably had dozens of people on it. So I think all of that changed the dynamic, the way that you said the entire dynamic has been changed, but man, we're all people. We we're all emotional. Uh, we all feel the weight of things that we're dealing with. I think that happened, but, but like you, you know, I know you, you, know, you covered baseball. I think it's even heightened in, in that sport Oof. because it's every day. You know, there's, there's really no hiding from each other right? and whether it's in the clubhouse or on the field or now on zoom, man, we all get a little bit of short fuse every now and then. And, uh, but I, I think it's, it's part of it. I don't know if that would carry over. I don't know how the other players with the Oilers, you know, feel about it. But in my mind, I agree with you. Not, not a huge deal, but certainly something that in this day and age where everyone sees and hears everything, it, you know, it got some people's attention. Yeah. Um, you remember the Hal McRae incident mm-hmm. with the phone? Unbelievable. Yeah. Those things yeah. used to happen like a couple times a year, not with each manager, but across baseball. Right. Um, right. But there Listen, would be. I was 40. Oh. I was, I, I'm sorry. I was in. No, no. This, this is my one, you know, real, you know, I was kind of trying to duck below the line of fire. I was in the manager's office in Milwaukee for Reds manager, Brian Price's famous 77 okay. F-bomb rant. Right, right. Um, and, you know, and and you know what? There was not a camera that was on. It was only recorded. Right. Uh, and that wasn't that long ago, but to think that it wasn't recorded, you know, visually yes. the same way still kind of shocks me. But, you know, he just, he, he blew a fuse. He, he got to the end and he couldn't stop. And he went on for, 10 or 12 minutes and we all sat there and, and listened or stood there and listened. And it's just, you know, it's one of those things. It's a stressful, stressful business. Most of the time, most of the time, it's not personal when things happen, but guys, guys snap. And, and, you know, this wasn't near the level of throwing a telephone across the room or anything like that, but, but uh, you, you forget the, the, the feeling and the weight of things that kind of land on people at certain times, I think. So when I did the Clippers in the old stadium, Cooper Stadium, you had to walk. Well, there's a longer story here, too, but you had to walk through the coach's office to get back to where the manager was. <laughs> and the pitching coach of the Clippers hated my guts, Oscar Acosta. 
<laughs> and there was we had we had some clash in spring training about something and he never got over it and and loved to try to intimidate and and uh would never answer questions would never was never helpful at all and he was particularly pissed off one day and I knocked on the door and said hey guys coming through and I walked through and he picked up a chair and threw the like a not a folding chair but a a plastic chair with sort of metal legs on it threw it at me and thank god one of the legs caught the doorway and it just sort of rattled in the doorway and fell to the ground and never got through to me um or they may have buried me at the bottom of Cooper Stadium and nobody would have known any better. Um, but yeah, and, and the pitching, uh, the pitchers, uh, hitter, I mean, all of it. it used to be, you know, you got to go up to this guy that's like in an 0 for 27 here that's, you know, yep. thinking he's going to get recalled. This is not going to be pretty. Hey, what'd you see? What do you think I saw? And it, and right. here we go, you know. There you go. Um, yeah, but it happened all the time and it toughened you up a little bit. And people accused you of being a th- Things that were much worse than being pissy, right. uh, much much worse. Like stuff you think, oh, are we ever going to come back from this? Uh, I think the Doug McLean years prepared some of us in <laughs> in uh, Columbus for sort of a daily a daily scrap yep. uh, too. But I just I was amused yesterday, and I I love as I said I love Maddie, so maybe I'm looking at it through those eyes. But I'm getting and I hear nothing but great things about Drysaddle, and the, obviously the player is fantastic, but. Also, the person he is, I think both of these guys are going to be fine. Yeah. And if no. I know, uh, if if he's if if Dry Saddle's anything like I I hear he is, and I I know who Maddie is, they're probably going to be laughing about it by the end of next week once once uh, the Edmonton Oilers figured out how to get a win here. They'll um, they'll laugh about it someday when when we're face to face again, and you can kind of go, hey, remember that Zoom call? Because. Yeah. Man, are are we all sick of the Zoom calls? Yeah, you getting pissy, Maddie? Maddie, you getting pissy? <laughs> I mean, I can just, I can just see it. It's going to stick, that's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Um, Blue Jackets struggling in their own right, and they're playing a team. I think the Flyers have lost nine in a row. Yep. Um, oof. I, I say that as a, as a segue to Cam Atkinson Thursday against the Blue Jackets for the first time since the trade. Um, it's geese. It's so different in Columbus right now, and we're not in the room to see exactly how different that dynamic is. But wow, you just you just look at this group, and it's it is it takes some adjustment on your eyes. I'm I'm there now because it's been a few months into the <laughs> season, but but no Felino, no Savard, no Jones, no Atkinson. These guys who were sort of the the lead players in many cases 
but the face of faces of the franchise for sure. They've all moved on. Um, and now that next tier of player is being asked to move up a level. So Boone Jenner, who's always been a leader with those guys for sure, is now the guy. Uh, Wierenski, Nyquist, these very respected players. Bjorkstrand, now they have to be the guys. And the sort of the also reigns, the guys who could hide behind a lot of stuff, now are they now have nightly expectations. How much of this challenge do you think? It's it's certainly a hockey challenge because a lot of these guys are super young and they're just not good enough. I think we can say that as well uh, as a team against some of these other teams. Florida was a complete mismatch the other night. Um, they're, they're growing in all ways here. It's painful sometimes to watch, but that's what's happening before our eyes, is it not? It is, and 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 I like a lot of the things about it. I mean, sure, it's it's tough to get used to certain things. I mean, change is, you know, it's it's simplifying, oversimplifying things to say change is tough sometimes. But but I like what they did because this mm-hmm. it's it's clearly a transition. You knew it had to happen, and and how many times have we watched teams in, in various sports? You hang on too long or, or you hang on to certain players too long. And, and I think what the Blue Jackets did, at least in my opinion, is it, it feels like, you know, you identified a couple of players, a couple of three players, and you didn't completely tear it down, but it seems thorough enough that there's a new direction. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you can have a team that just drifts, you know, as you take pieces away one or two at a time and, and try to tweak it and try to do this. And, and what I think it's, it's interesting that we're talking about Atkinson and, and going to, to Philly. I, I thought that move was the one as we were watching all of this play out this summer from, you know, from the draft and, and the days after that, I thought that move was the one that, that certainly surprised us the most, but I thought it was the one that said the most about what was happening here and made me feel better about the direction. Uh, because you could have, you know, no one expected Cam to be gone. Good player, good guy, you know, franchise on the way up the franchise charts in terms of a number of categories. Sure. Uh, great in the community, all those things. But to look at it plainly and say, as we saw Yarmo said, on the behind the battle on the call that he made, I think this completely changes the dynamic of our team. If you bring in Voracek and send Cam the other way, that was the move that that I felt like made me feel best about what's happening. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's tough, but with this with this team and the the rebuild or the reload or whatever it is, if you know if 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 we had told you that they would have played nearly half the season and they're roughly five hundred, right. Um, you know, I think a lot of people would go, okay, really? Sure. You, know, you talked about yeah. the last two games. The last two games to me have been kind of a microcosm of the season because it's been extreme highs and, and extreme lows with what they've done, which you would expect. But when you look at the season in total and, and the phase that they're in with, with so many young players and a handful of veterans that they can, that are good players and I think were the right guys to keep, you know, uh, Chris Welsh, who's one of our analysts for the Reds, sure. whenever he's evaluating a starting pitcher, he says, you know, for a starting pitcher, if you have a healthy season, you assume you're going to get 30 starts. He said, when I evaluate that guy, I'm going to throw out his five best starts and his five worst starts. 
And I'm going to look at the 20 games that are left. And I think that's a pretty good indication of what you've got. And, and so for the Jackets, you know, if, if you throw out the, the New Year's Day loss and the loss in Florida and you throw out the win against Carolina and the wins against Colorado, you know, right. some of those things and look at the games in the middle and look at the games that are left. I think you can get a pretty good uh, image of what they are right now. And it's it's not great, certainly, given where they are, but it's but it's not terrible. And you can look at pieces and you can look at draft picks that are coming and you have a reason to believe, I think, in what's going on. You never know how it plays out, but the Seth Jones trade looks better to me every day. It seems certainly reasonable and, and it's not done yet. Um, and, and I just feel like some of the things that they've done, I'm glad Cole Sillinger is here and playing. I'm glad Chinikov is playing um, because we've seen, I know, certainly with the Jackets or I've seen with the Reds. You tell a kid or you tell a fan base, he's not ready. He's not ready. He's not ready. And, and you know, at some point, I, I don't think that some of these players are so fragile that you're going to completely kill their confidence if you let them learn some of these things at this level. Right. Um, so I'm glad that's happening here as, as you kind of look toward the future. Yeah. And this is the tough part of the process. I wrote this a couple of weeks ago on the for the Sunday Notebook package. Like, I don't want to say what they did last summer was easy because those things it's a lot of work to get a lot of those things together but that's the fun part is trading yeah. for the first round draft picks and drafting cole mm-hmm. sillinger and moving up and and kent johnson is now a blue jackets draft pick and and uh, corson coleman's and you know the voracek all this stuff is is the fun stuff um but now's where the this is where it's not a lot of fun this is the drudgery <laughs> Especially these next couple of months before you get into the, you know, March, you look at March and you may have Kent Johnson here. Uh, that's something to look at for a few games. You get to uh, maybe April, late April, maybe Kirill Marchenko is done in in <laughs> Russia and comes. Like, that's incredible if that comes to pass. Um, so there's some of that stuff, but... I also think this is the time, if you look big picture, this is the time to do this. Because if you look around the division, I think the two teams that you really, yep. you, I mean, Carolina is going to be good for a while now. We, I think we can say that. Pittsburgh is a hell of a good team and a hell of a proud team. And as long as they've got Crosby and Malkin, they're going to be a tough out. But they're not going to have them forever. Um, Ovechkin, how do yep. you, even as a team that has played him a million times, so much respect for how that guy plays. Uh, but he's, he, he's not going to play forever. So if you're taking, undertaking a two or three or four year process of, of digging out, loading up picks and getting back up to being a playoff team and then seeing how, how high and far that one can go and grow. Um, this is kind of the time frame you want to be on, correct? I I thought the same thing this afternoon when I was when I was out running around and just kind of thinking about where they are right now. And and yeah, you know, Ovechkin may play forever. That doesn't mean the Caps aren't going to have some really tough decisions coming. You know, not only about uh, his future, but about how they can you know responsibly put a team around them. And yes, in Pittsburgh, the same thing. No one's going to, those guys at some point, they're a lot closer to being 
on the downside than they are to, to anything else. So yeah, you know, no one wants to hear that. Um, but when you think about it, I do think it makes a lot of sense to do it right now. And when you think about where they are, you know, coming up with the trade deadline, at least you're not in that gray area this year wondering what to do. You know, you right. identify a handful of guys that I think most of us can say uh, are going to be available. You'll get the best thing that you can for each of those players. And I, and with the exception of a couple of guys, listen on, an, listen on everyone. You know, if mm-hmm. somebody calls, listen. And, and there's no gray area. So many teams, like we said, we've seen it where they're stuck between, oh, are they buyers or sellers? Well, we'll have to see Tweeners. how they play. Yeah, we'll have to see how they play in the 10 days leading up to the deadline. And that'll determine if they're buyers or sellers. That's not happening here. They, the, the Jackets, they're sellers. And it's, and it's going to be another phase of what's happening. But I have, you know, when this season started, I thought, oh, man, this, this might be really tough. Um, yeah. since I've been, you know, doing this for the jackets, you know, it, it hasn't been like the early years that, you know, that you guys saw where it was really rough. It's, it's for the most part with the, the exception of a couple of seasons, you know, it's been great. And I, yeah. I kind of dreaded some of this, but I, I don't mind where it's gone so far through 36 games or wherever they are. And I know a lot can change the rest of the way, but I've, I'm, I'm one of those people you described that. You know, feels okay about hopefully seeing some of those guys that you mentioned, Ken Johnson and Marchenko, whoever, later in the season, Mm -hmm. the possibility of seeing them, but also certainly with what the Jackets have right now, I'm okay wondering night to night if they're going to be really good or if they're going to have a tough one. Um, That's 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 part of it. There's lots to talk about, lots for you to write about. And uh, I'm with you. I think it's the right time. And for the most part, I know it's always debatable. I think what I've seen so far, I don't mind how they've started this process to to turn it over. So let me cut into our conversation here with a little bit of, I guess it's breaking news. And I'm not sure how to even present this necessarily, because it could be a little confusing in podcast, uh, the podcast medium, but the the NHL has released the Blue Jackets updated schedule. You see, if you got a pen, I'll read these I, off. I'm I'm looking. I'm looking. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so Columbus at Buffalo, which was scheduled for December 20th, will now be February 10th, 7 p.m. Uh, Columbus at Montreal, which was January 10th, will now be February 12th, 12:30 start. All time right. p.m. All right. Uh, Columbus at Calgary which was a December 18th game, is now February 15th. So I see a Buffalo, Montreal, Calgary, Columbus road trip there because Columbus <laughs> at Chicago, which was December 28th, is now February 17th, 7.30. Uh, other games, these are games that were in Columbus and postponed. Buffalo at Columbus, which was to be December 23rd, is now February 20th. And Toronto at Columbus, which was to be December 27th, is February 22nd. There's another at game. That was Columbus at the Islanders, which was scheduled for January 18th. That was last night. Postponed. Is now March 10. And there are three other games, curiously, from late in the season that have been changed. And I think this is to make the other stuff work. So bear with me here. But um, the Columbus at Washington game, which was to be April 28th, that's almost the last game of the set. That's the penultimate yeah. game of the season. Will now be uh, February 8th. 
So I take this to mean the season now ends April 27th, um, which is good. Let's get this thing going here. Uh, Tampa at Columbus, with Columbus, which was to be April 29th, is now April 28th. I take back an earlier comment because Columbus at Pittsburgh, which was to be April 12th, is now April 29th. So the Blue Jackets still in the season April 29th. Instead, they will end it in Pittsburgh 7 p.m. I hope that was beneficial to you out there somehow. Uh, but just released from the from the NHL, the uh, new look schedule to make up games in February, which was to be the Olympic break. Um, just a couple more topics to get with you here, uh, Geese, if we could. Um, you know, we, we just talked about how there's really no doubt what the trade deadline is going to be like for Columbus. It's going to be uh, players with contracts, players with expiring contracts leaving for prospects and picks. And the three names that jump off the page are Domi, Corpusalo, and Jack Roslovic. Now, of those three, and this is certainly not to put this season on any one player, but the, the one that's probably surprising in the grand scheme to, to, to hear as part of that on his way out the door um, is, is Jack Roslovic, because this was supposed to be a, a Columbus homecoming for him, um, a player that showed a lot of offensive promise last season, played well enough with the puck to mask some of the deficiencies without, which, which if you understand how John Tortorella coaches, that's pretty impressive. Uh, I think he was his team's second leading scorer. But this year, it has it has been beyond um, a complete stark difference this year. His ice time, I, I had to reach out to the NHL for this. Is there any player who's played 20 games this year and last who has seen his ice time decrease as much as Roslovic? Four and a half minutes a game. That's, that is stunning. That's like, I mean... That's essentially eight to 10 shifts a game he's down. Um, and there are only two, and they both were picked in the expansion draft by Seattle and ended up being traded or signing elsewhere. So two new different programs altogether. Um, his production's down. Production's actually not god-awful given his ice time, but there's just obviously a trust issue between he and, and Coach Brad Larson. And when a local kid doesn't work out, it's difficult. I hate to see... If it ends like this, I hate to see it end like this. Both sides are saying there's plenty enough time to straighten this out. But this has been surprisingly difficult uh, for the local kid to to find success with the local club. And it won't surprise me or a lot of people if Roslovic is on his way out the door uh, by the trade deadline, if not before. Yeah, and that's tough because, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, it's, it's a good story. And, and I know a lot of people were happy that, that Jack was back here. And he does. Like you pointed out, he does have a little bit of a uniqueness to his game on this team in terms of what he can do with the puck. And so you'd like to see, uh, you know, you certainly would like to see that maximized and, and used. And, and you have seen it, frankly, you know, last season and at different times this season. But, you know, consistency is the name of the game. Um, you know, you can be consistently good and Coaches trust that more than the player who's inconsistent and up and down more. Uh, so it's 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 one of those things where yeah, it's a tough call in terms of his situation and and you know it being home and all that. But you're right. I don't think people would be surprised 
Um, it's not going to come as a surprise given how things have played out, like you said, with his minutes. But um, you certainly hope that, you know, we all you certainly hope the best for a player that a lot of people know and like around Columbus. But you hope that the right mix comes together here, whoever that happens to be. Yeah. And it's it's a tough it's a tough spot because based purely on his talent, Jack Roslovic should not shouldn't. Yeah. Oh, he should not be a guy playing 12 minutes a night. Right. Uh, sitting on the bench in, in the third period, losing ice time to to an 18-year-old rookie, Cole Sillinger, and Sean Corrali, another Columbus kid. Um, he should be a top six centerman, and they don't feel like they can play him in that role and in that capacity. I, I you know, I wonder if there are other teams out there who do feel that way. There probably are. Um, and I hate to say this too, but if you look at the Blue Jackets, their recent history with letting guys go who have not been, I mean, William Carlson's a little bit different. <laughs> they liked William Carlson a lot. Um, they didn't think he had in him what he has shown in Vegas. Although if you look at his numbers ever since that first season, he's he's a really good player. I don't mean to diminish him, but that 43 goals is such an anomaly, even compared to what he's done since. Um, but they did not see that that was the player they were letting go. Look at Anthony Duclair, what he's Mm -hmm. doing in Florida. I mean, (laughs) and honestly, you hear Larson talk about Duclair and there's echoes of Tortorella talking about, uh, I'm sorry, you hear Larson talk about Roslovic. There's echoes of Tortorella talking about Duclair, um, just his struggles to pick up the concepts and to leave the puck in the right place. It sounds like they're talking about the same players. They got to be careful. You don't, you can't let keep letting guys like that go and having having them take off in other markets uh, especially when you're a team that's looking to to uh, to gather talent and, and make a run back into legitimacy again uh geese thanks so much for your time I appreciate it good chatting with you anytime porty anytime it looks like we'll be now seeing each other throughout the month of February quite a bit so yeah, well, uh, on- <laughs> let, me, let me ask you this because it's a question I just love to ask. It warms you to the bone a little bit. When do pitchers and catchers report? <laughs> you know what? Uh, this year, that's a tougher question to answer. Obviously, oh really? Yeah. Uh, I mean, who knows? Is is the season going to start on time? Is is camp going to start that's on right. time? God. Uh, I, I read your uh, cohort at the Athletic, Ken Rosenthal, this morning about um, you know just can the sport afford to delay the season or to miss games uh it's a little bit of a mess right now but if you follow baseball the only the thing that worries me about about this situation i'll make this short is yeah the players have been dug in for this negotiation since the day the last one ended never a good thing um they have looked at this date and this negotiation you know since 2016 um and so for that reason Somebody's going to have to make some concessions to to keep it all, keep it all together and keep it all going. But we'll see. We'll see. There's there's a lot on the line for both sides. So hopefully they figure it out. Yes, yeah, because we need that. We need some springtime baseball to warm <laughs> things up a little bit. Well, right now hockey overlaps with the first month of baseball it's season. Crazy. The regular yeah. season. It's crazy. I know. It's, we got to get back. Our seasons are all goofed up. We're messed up. We're messed up. We're all messed up. Hey, thanks for chatting, man. Always a pleasure. Look forward to seeing you out there at the rink. Forty, you're the man. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, folks, thanks for listening. 
And we'll be back again next week with uh, news, notes, and a great conversation about the Blue Jackets. Thanks, as always, for tuning in. Take care. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.